This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. The National Science Foundation released a bleak assessment of U.S. Antarctic programs last year. It found that sexual harassment, stalking, and sexual assault are ongoing problems. These issues can be particularly problematic when researchers are isolated on ships or on polar research stations. And they come at a time of accelerating climate change when polar research has never been more important. I'm joined now by three female scientists who are all professors in the College of Earth, Ocean, and Atmospheric Sciences at Oregon State University. Kim Bernard is a biological oceanographer, Aaron Pettit is a glaciologist, and Lori Juranic is a biogeochemist. It's great to have all three of you on the show. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. Hi, Dave. Aaron Pettit first. Um, I actually, for all three of you, before we get to the topic of harassment, I just want to start briefly with your actual research. What do you focus on and where does it take you? Yeah, so I I study glaciers and I study glaciers all over the world, but um, dominantly in Antarctica and Alaska and Greenland. Um, And I study how they grow and shrink or flow and fracture in response to climate change, atmospheric change, ocean change. Um, and, uh, and so I do that. And then I also look at the climate history records that are stored in ice cores. Um, so I do a little bit of both of those. Um, and that does take me uh, mostly in Antarctica, like I said, and then also I have some projects um, in Alaska and Greenland. But the one thing that I wanted to mention is that I'm, um, I work on sometimes work on some really big project teams. And two of those, um, I'm on the leadership team for the Thwaites Glacier Collaboration, which is, this is the glacier that's been called the Doomsday Glacier lately. And we're really trying to figure out how much that glacier is is um, going to contribute to sea level rise in the near future. Um, and the other leadership a uh, big team that I'm on that in a leadership position of is um, Coldex, which is the search for the oldest ice in Antarctica. Um, and the reason that I mentioned these these um, leadership positions is that I think leadership plays a huge role in creating that positive, more positive work environment in the future. There's, um, there's a lot more to get into in terms of of what you mean by that, and 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 I I think also. The failures of leadership in the past, which is the flip side of that. Uh, but Lori Juranic, what about you? What do you study and, and where do you normally work? So broadly speaking, my work entails trying to understand how Arctic eco- ecosystems are responding to climate change. And uh, I'm an oceanographer, so most of my work is uh, research vessel-based And so I spend a lot of time on ships in the Bering Sea and uh, north of the Bering Sea in the Touchy Sea. Um, And even last year, went to the North Pole on the Coast Guard icebreaking vessel. So I spend a lot of time on on ships, uh, collecting my data and working in and out of remote ports in Alaska. And Kim Bernard, you've actually been on the show before. The last time was I, I looked it was almost exactly four years ago. Um, the the solstice, I guess the the winter solstice of twenty nineteen, when you were at the Palmer Station. Are, are you there right now still? I, I am, and yeah, you are correct. It was about four years ago. Can you remind us what you study for people who didn't hear that conversation? Absolutely. So I'm a zooplankton ecologist, and zooplankton is the name that we use to describe the small animals that drift in the oceans. 
Um, they range from microscopic all the way up to six feet or more as the big, large jellyfish. I mostly study um, a type of zooplankton called krill, which is an essential part of the marine food web throughout the world's oceans. And I'm studying how climate change is affecting these organisms, primarily in Antarctica, but also off the coast of Oregon. And I have some students working in the Eastern Bering Sea as well. And uh, similar to Laurie, I do a lot of my research from um, vessels and also obviously at Palmer Station. And so in the last sort of 20 years of conducting research on zooplankton, I've spent over 70 weeks at sea and coming up to 38 months at Palmer Station. Hmm. Years of your life. <laughs> yeah, yes. Can you give us a sense for the layout on these ships or research stations? I mean, I, I imagine cramped quarters. <laughs> Definitely cramped quarters. <laughs> Do you want to go for it, Laurie? Uh, <laughs> sure. Uh, you know, one of the ships I most commonly sail on uh, in the Arctic has um, uh, basically can carry about 50 people. That's crew and science. It's about uh, 240 feet um, in length. And uh, you're doubled up in, in these kind of dorm-style rooms, smaller than dorm-style rooms, and sharing um, bathrooms, we call them heads, um, between uh, multiple rooms. So it's very tight quarters, um, not a lot of personal space. Um, so uh, definitely um, have to, you know, be respectful of um, people because there's just nowhere to kind of hide out. You have to be respectful of people, but obviously the the reason we're talking today is that um, with alarming frequency that that doesn't happen in in a, in a very gendered way. Kim, can you give us a sense for the kind of harassment that you have experienced while at work? Sure. Yeah. Uh, sure. Um, uh, sorry, I'm hearing a bit of a reverberation, so I'll just ignore that. Um, I, the experiences that I've had have kind of varied over the years. I started going to sea when I was 21. And, um, you know, I, I've had a lot of the more overt sexual harassment with um, men coming into my cabin in the middle of the night, uh, obviously unwanted and uninvited. I've, I've, I've had a situation on a Russian research vessel where I really felt concerned for my safety and uh, had to get out of a situation um, quite quickly. And then more recently, as I've sort of grown in experience and in my in my position, um, also in sort of in terms of leadership roles at sea, I see the more subtle undermining and experience a lot of that, um, including bullying and intimidation and um, as I as I I guess get older and um, see this more and more, I'm also becoming much more aware of uh, the things that I've experienced when I was younger because I'm starting to see it now in many of the young women that I bring with me to Antarctica. Hmm. Has that seeing seeing other women, I guess early career scientists experience this harassment of various kinds, has that changed the way you see this behavior? Absolutely. I think when I was younger, um, you know back you know twenty years ago or so, 
it wasn't talked about as much as it is now. And so I think for the large part, I just felt like I had to um, be tough and not complain. I felt so lucky and privileged to be there in the first place. Um, and and so I just sort of thought it was part of the parcel uh, and I just had to learn how to deal with it and, and move on. But now, you know, I have these amazing young women working under me and um, I... I just can't bear to see them going through any of that. And so it's made me much more aware. It's actually made me more aware of, of what I've experienced too, because I think I sort of put a lot of it, um, I buried a lot of that, but it's made me much more, well, I think it's a lot more important to me now to say something. And um, yeah, I guess to to ensure that it doesn't happen. And so I, I have reported incidences um, quite recently. And, you know, I think even though it's really challenging and it is very stressful doing, uh, submitting a report like this, because it's not just a, a short thing that happens and then it's done, it's a whole long drawn out process and you have to keep reliving the experience. But I think it's been so critical because for one, it, it has shown the young woman that I work with that it is possible to to have a good outcome from a report. And it's not that everyone will just ignore you or think you're being um, silly. And I think it to me, it's important to show them that um, the young woman that I work with and and others who I guess get to um, be at sea with or in the field with that this is this sort of behavior is absolutely not acceptable and um that and that's fully within their rights to do something and say something about it aaron pettit what about you can you give us a sense for what you have experienced yourself or what you've seen yeah i can um echo a lot of what kim has seen and it has ranged from outright you know sexual harassment um and a lot of it I did suppress as well over the years that it was just part of the job and we had to we had to prove ourselves and we had to accept the joking and teasing and we had to accept the bullying because there wasn't a pathway towards getting around it. If we wanted to stay and do our jobs, we were expected to just deal with it. And I'm really happy that now at least there's a bit more um, and I feel a similar responsibility to be a role model and to support and help um, and uh, uh, to 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 help the the younger women and non-binary people that are on our teams. Um, and I've had like outright sabotage of some of my experiments where, you know, I'm told one thing is going to happen and we plan for it and then somebody just pulls the pulls a key piece of equipment at the last minute and is sort of like, oops, you know, sorry, you can't do that today. And it, and it, um, you know, destroyed a whole bunch of data that we were trying to collect. So it's, it ranges all over. Um, so there's that. And then, and then often the assumption is always that I'm not in charge. So even when I am the principal investigator, the whoever the men are on my team are often the first ones that get asked questions or they're the ones that the person is talking to and the and so I have to like look to my teammates 
to have them turn and say, no, Aaron's the lead on this. You have to, she's the one that's going to answer. And, and so, and sometimes they'll have to regularly do that. No, talk to Aaron. She's the one in charge. In, um, in, that, and, in, in that scenario, I, I, if I understand correctly, that would be, the distinction there would be members of the scientific team and members of the crew and it, it, it might be the members of the crew who would who would undermine your authority or or assume because you're a woman that you're not in charge of the science. Right. And so I work mostly on land. So this would be at sort of some of the smaller remote stations that we are um, that we're out or bigger and smaller, like McMurdo Station and then um, at other countries stations where we're going through and we're trying to organize logistics or working with, um, you know, with pilots or working with our cargo to try to get our stuff out to our small remote site. Um, and even if my team wholly believes in my authority, they sometimes have to be there to, to point and say, yeah, Aaron, what do you think? You're the one in charge here. Um, and often when the, when the person on my team is a, uh, is, you know, is, is my age or even a senior male, um, and he knows I'm in charge, but that doesn't mean everybody else does. And so sometimes that'll be done just, just outright. And other times it'll be done in kind of a, a, uh, a sort of backhanded way where I just won't be sent the email, like the emails will go specifically to, or a secret conversation will have happened that goes directly to this, you know, the other person on my team who's not in charge because everybody just assumes they are. Um, and usually I pick and choose my team members so that I don't, so that I know that they have my back and they will, they will not let those things happen. But, uh, but that's not, that's not always something that, um, that is easy, that is easy to do. It also, it's, it's one more thing that you have to then Keep in mind, as if the, the the research, the science, the logistics aren't complicated enough. Another thing that you have to pay attention to is your own safety, or, or making sure that the people you're you're working with respect your authority as you're putting a team together. It's one more thing to keep that you have to do. Yeah, it's one. It's definitely one more thing, and keeping an eye out, as Kim said, for. Uh, for the other people, the the ju more junior people on the team, like if there are things as subtle as little jokes or you know comments that um, that are just just inappropriate, but yet not recognized as being, or they think they're being funny, and those just sap your energy over time, and they take away from the work that you're actually trying to do out there. Mm -hmm. Lori Juranek, you've spent over 600 days at sea, often, my, my understanding is, often serving as, as a chief scientist. Um, what have you experienced from male crew members or male colleagues? Uh, all of the above. Uh, what was just um, discussed by Kim and Aaron, um, I, I would say frequently in that leadership role, exactly the things Aaron was talking about, where uh, implicitly... Um, you're not assumed to be in charge, even if you are on paper and all the in all the ways designated the person in charge of making the big decisions. And so uh, there are situations where other people on the science team or crew members will go to male colleagues and um, and hatch a plan that doesn't include you um, when you really need to be in those conversations. 
And so, uh, yeah, it, 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 as you mentioned, it just adds to the, the energy, um, that's required. I mean, we're, we're there to make the science, um, uh, successful and it just detracts from that. Um, yeah. Kim Bernard, I'm curious if, if you've ever worried that by giving prospective researchers who are women an accurate sense of what they might experience, you could inadvertently discourage them from pursuing their goals. I guess I'm wondering how you balance the truth with um, not not wanting to to implicitly give people the message that that is going to be too hard for them. That's such a great question, Dave, and it's something that. I have struggled to figure out the balance because I think it's really critical that they do know ahead of time and that they are aware of what they're getting into. Um, But what I really emphasize is um, that there are avenues to report things and that any form of sexual harassment or any harassment at all is completely unacceptable. And um, so we with my teens before a field season, we'll sit down and have conversations about this. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll make sure it's very clear that I do not tolerate it. And, um, and I, you know, if they, if they are experiencing anything, they should feel welcome to come and speak to me about it. And I also suggest other people who they could speak to, uh, if for whatever reason, they're not feeling comfortable talking to me about it. But I, I definitely do. It's sometimes a difficult conversation to to have, especially for people who may have already had some sort of trauma in the past, because it can be quite triggering. But I think it's, it's really essential that they know and um, I guess are, are going into it with their eyes open. But I do, you know, I, I will give examples of things that have happened and things that we have reported and have had a successful outcome from as well. Um, yeah, it's it's a tricky one. And I think for me, I would prefer that they know that they know ahead of time rather than are blindsided by it and uh, end up deciding to leave to leave science because I have I have seen it in the past where uh, a female student has experienced sexual harassment in the field but uh, isn't actually aware of the the processes and the steps that they can take to report that and for that person to be removed from the situation um, and and ultimately, they end up deciding to leave science. And I think that that is a far greater um, loss. So, yeah, I, I prefer to just tell them the truth. Aaron Petta, I want to go back to where you started with, with leadership, because more than anything, what we're talking about seems like a, a failure from the top, a failure of leadership to change culture. Do you see a willingness to, to make that change now? Um, I see a willingness among some leadership teams um, or some some pe- people in leadership 
the issue in place like Antarctica, for example, um, there are many leaders who have influence over this. So there's the leader of your, your direct field team. Then there's the leadership of the base um, or station that you're on or at the camp that you're in. And then, and then it goes up towards the leadership of the entire U.S. Antarctic program and and on up and and the leadership at every level has this responsibility because the tone that is set say from the person that's in charge of all of the all of the ongoings at McMurdo station if they set a tone of respect and inclusive behavior then that will feed down to the whole community um and so i do see some places where they want to change but there's still a lot where where it could happen and we specifically try to build build that um that leadership knowledge among the the teams on our these big collaborative projects like we we really sit down and talk through like what's going to happen in the field and and make sure that the leader of that field team because every field team if i'm not on it it's going out with with somebody else in charge and so we make make that an explicit conversation to have and i feel like with the two big group big big research teams i've been on we've been successful for the most part within our research teams but then we have to go into the 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 station environment where we don't have control over that culture in the same way. Um, and it's and I, I agree with Kim that having the conversations ahead of time can help prepare people and we don't want to scare them away. Um, but I feel like the the most vulnerable moment is when they are their own, they're alone in some kind of an individual um individual place in that they don't know that they have all these allies around them. And they're experiencing things that they don't understand. They don't quite know what the boundaries of inappropriateness might be, or they don't know who to talk to if it does. So if we can set them up with a team of allies so that they know exactly who's there to support them. And again, that's part of the role of the leadership is to, to help them set up and know where that, where that structure, that support structure is. Aaron Pettit, Lori Juranic, and Kim Bernard, thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Thanks. We heard from three female polar scientists, professors at Oregon State University. Lori Juranic is a biogeochemist. Kim Bernard is a biological oceanographer. And Aaron Pettit is a glaciologist. We heard about this issue from Strata, which is published twice a year by the College of Earth, Ocean, and Atmospheric Sciences at Oregon State University.